Welcome to Extraordinary Africa. Here we speak to people on the ground, the very people that are changing the continent through technology one initiative at a time. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Mixcloud, Anchor and YouTube. If governments are to avoid a climate catastrophe, renewable and carbon-free power sources will need to replace oil by mid-century. National Geographic The rush to eliminate carbon footprints is on everybody's lips. More than ever, we are hearing these discussions in governments and major corporations. It's the scramble to keep global warming under two degrees. Microsoft have bid to remove all the carbon that it has emitted since it was founded in 1975. The world is on the cusp of a green economic renaissance that it must embrace or else face a nightmare future of runaway global warming, according to a report commissioned by several governments, including the UK, Norway and South Korea. The Heritage Foundation, a lean right news outlet, under the Obama administration, they had committed to cutting greenhouse gas emissions by 26 to 28%. The Heritage go on to say that these top four reasons are why Trump pulled out from bringing in the Paris Accord. One, being costly and ineffective, having 2.5 trillion in gross domestic products. The Green Climate Fund will collect 100 billion per year by 2020. MSN says that through the fund, richer developed nations contribute money for poorer developing nations to lower emissions and do more to combat climate change. Mm. Now that kind of makes me feel a bit different. I also just want to play this video about what um, Trump had said at the World Economic Forum back in 2016. It's where the president tried to walk a fine line uh, between delivering a message that would play both in Davos, Switzerland and Dalton, Georgia. He talked about how America was open for business and of course brought up tax cuts. He said, I believe in America. America first does not mean America alone. The president also said he supported free trade, but said it must be fair trade and actually talked about the possibility of re-engaging countries involved uh, with TPP. He also talked about uh, how America had the best colleges in the world, uh, the best workers in the world, and that now was the best time ever to invest in America. He said a nation's greatness is more than the sum of its production, it's the sum of their citizens. And Richard Haas, he ended by saying that we are all stronger when free and stronger when sovereign nations work <clears throat> together. Obviously, Richard, uh, there is much in that speech that many inside that conference might, uh, I won't say take offense at, but might be rankled by. But the overriding message is that America is open for business. Our taxes are lower. We have less regulations. And you can make a lot of money uh, by dealing with us. What's your takeaway from that, that message and from President Trump's speech? Well, you're right, Joe. It was a bit of a victory lap on the American economy. It was an attempt to basically portray America firstism really in economic terms. 
For the past eight years, the federal government imposed massive job-killing barriers to American energy development. Since my very first day in office, I have been moving at record pace to cancel these regulations and to eliminate the barriers to domestic energy production like never before. We have nearly 100 years worth of natural gas and more than 250 years worth of clean, beautiful coal. I'm proudly announcing six brand new initiatives to propel this new era of American energy dominance. First, we will begin to revive and expand our nuclear energy sector. Second, the Department of the Treasury will address barriers to the financing of highly efficient overseas coal energy plants. Guess what? We don't have all those regulatory burdens or taxes anymore. He also said something else, Peggy, that yeah. I think was important for him to say. And it was this. This was the message. Yes, I'm putting America first. Just like leaders of every other country should put their country first. I'm only doing for my country what I would expect you to do for your country. All right, is he trying to keep like old policies and business relationships intact? Not where we need to be. And so to talk about how well things are going, and I do understand uh, about making it a Chamber of Commerce speech and making it exciting for people to invest in the country, uh, it's important for people who are inside the country who have not felt that level of growth to know that they are not forgotten. Okay, so why more now than ever? It's the bid to keep global temperatures below two degrees. How is this going to affect poor nations and how do they compete in the global manufacturing sector? According to the Africa Report 4.0, traditional industrial economies expect the fourth industrial revolution to create many competitive advantages and reverse the trend to relocate manufacturing processes to low-cost countries and create high-tech opportunities at home. Hence, we are seeing strong government funding for Industry 4.0. So does that mean if these initiatives need financial backing to lift off and these governments are signed to Paris Accord, who then fits the bill? Being that the African continent holds 18 spots in the top 20 of the world's most poorest countries, how would they adopt smart technology and the big global push for green by 2030? Between 2019 and 2020, according to Global Africa Fact-Checked, recorded 42,289 rape cases in South Africa. That's an average of 116 rape cases daily. South Africa is rated as having the highest rape cases in the world. A recent study also conducted by SAMRC stated that one in four men admitted to committing rape. So I was able to um, score this really, really cool uh, interview with Kai Matlala. He is truly, truly, truly inspirational. And I cannot wait for you guys to listen to what he has to say. Yeah, I have such an amazing guest with me today uh, who's actually changing lives through technology. I'm truly inspired by his work, his mindset for life. He's an innovator and dedicated to bringing physical light and metaphysical light to dark public spaces. Kai is building solar-powered lighting and Wi-Fi stations in South African townships and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for being here today and congrats for the Yale Africa Startup Review Award that you had won and all the other millions of awards that you've won recently. How are you, man? 
Hi, Prince Raf. So thank you, man. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you for the great, uh, just <laughs> for the bio. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm well. I'm just an ordinary South African, just, you know, living life and just uh, enjoying life. Uh, uh, we are in the, here, I'm in Durban on the East Coast, so right by the mm. beach. And it's the most beautiful place in the world, I believe. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks to be on your show. And uh, thanks, thanks to your guests. Yeah, thanks for listening in. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I'm so honored to have you here because um, all, all the great things that I've seen that you've, you've done and what you're doing for the communities out there in South Africa is absolutely amazing. And in the time that we are living at the moment um, to be able to get your hands dirty and being out there for the people that need it the most, it's absolutely wonderful. Now, I want you to tell me uh, what is the Energy Efficiency Project? What prompted you to start this? Yeah, so basically we are a green tech startup. Um, so we're in the green space and we're a uh, clean, clean tech startup, basically. Um, in other words, um, we design technology that actually can help uh, uh, improve people's lives, just ordinary people. So I started the startup in, in 2018 officially, but I'd done research for four years before that. So it all started in 2014, where I used to work in the green space for a private organization working mainly with government. Uh, I used to advise and work with about 24 municipalities, right? So um, there was a particular township where there was uh, one of the friends of mine who was an, a deputy mayor, they asked me to go and have a look because there was a lot of death. Apparently there were 48 people that were murdered in a space of about one year. And mm. the, the cause of death was actually because there's actually lack of public lighting in the public spaces. So people are living in fear, uh, girls are getting raped, um, people were like not, not able to like walk at night and stuff and kids weren't able to study at night. Uh, when I then did the research to find out if this was something that was isolated to this specific community or was it something that was happening in other communities, I discovered that it's actually quite common. Um, just to give you some numbers, uh, in 2019, because um, I don't have the numbers for 2020, but in 2019, there were about 19,000 murders in Iraq where there's a war, right? In South Africa, there were over 20,000 murders. South Africa has gone from number five in the world as the country with the highest level of crime, number five. Now it's number three. In 2019, there were over 40,000 reported rapes. Now, a lot of these go unreported. At the same time, a lot of people are unconnected. They don't have access to the internet because when I was doing the research, I found out that a lot of people don't have access to connectivity. So in other words, when you look at the image of Africa at night from a satellite, it's dark. So my vision and my goal and my purpose is to bring physical light through the technology that we create and also bring metaphoric light, which is light into the mind, which is access to information, education, and helping people to have access uh, to intelligent uh, systems that can help them to connect with the rest of the world. Okay, so we're seeing big pushes for the global economies to strive for greener living by 2030. How does the EE Tech framework coincide with the 2030 sustainable developments? So if you look at our social media platforms, et cetera, you know, whether it's Twitter, our handles or Instagram, I actually recently changed the Instagram, but it's, they all end with the number 2030, if you have not, not noticed. Yes. And the reason for that is because, for example, in Durban, where I'm from, uh, as a province and as a city, we have um, provincial growth development plans and development goals, and we're part of the uh, Paris Accord as well as a country since 2002. So our vision and goal is to have at least... 40% uh, reliant on fossil fuels to generate power uh, by 2030. And by 2050, we want total carbon neutrality. Uh, in fact, right now, as we speak to this morning alone, we had a, uh, 
a just a transition conference uh, for the last three days, which I was actually speaking in, and uh, I was actually uh, communicating and, and, and basically dealing with delegates around the world from the United Nations. There were the Minister of Energy, uh, Environment in South Africa. Um, uh, the, it was actually funded by the Flemish government, the Belgium government, the German Development Corporation, the German government, and various other stakeholders. So I was actually speaking on that for the last two days. And what we're trying to do is trying to link that with entrepreneurship. How do we get entrepreneurs to have access to technology and funding and mentoring and accelerating incubation to facilitate and fast track uh, the process to uh, mitigate an, uh, uh, climate change? Because uh, we don't have a, a planet B. Mm, okay. All right. So at this at this current stage, because we're in the very early uh, stages of the of the of the new decade, so uh, people are like getting together and trying to understand of where they can move forward, so then they can meet those goals by twenty thirty. That that's that's correct. Yes. I mean, when I first got introduced was in COP seventeen, uh, which was in two thousand and eleven. Uh, that's when I got introduced, where I met some activists from around the world. It took place here at the ICC, the Durban ICC International Convention Center. Uh, I believe that's the year that you were last in South Africa. So that's the, the first time I got introduced to uh, like climate activism. Uh, I was introduced to 360, uh, 360.org 360, uh, in New York. Now they're all over there in Spain. So I got introduced to also the people living in the shacks that were struggling, that don't have access to clean electricity. Uh, you know, a lot of people are dying from uh, like electric, illegal el electrical connections and mm. those types of things. Uh, in last year, in 2019, in March, um, here in Durban, uh, we had floodings that had never happened before, where people lost their lives in a township called Umlazi. There were mass floodings. We've had all this type of inclement weather that's been taking place, unexplained weather patterns. And so, yes, climate change is real. And I think the only way to fix it, uh, or the only way to redress some of the negative causes to the environment. I think South Africa is one of the worst uh, emitters of CO2 with uh, our, our power utilities uh, generating power using coal and burning it up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in Pumalanga in and Welcome. So, yeah, so basically transitioning into a greener, a safer and cleaner environment is definitely something that has to be at the core of what we do, not only as an organization, but as a people in general. Yeah, and we're seeing in later times that Africa jumped the uh, computer evolution where all things skipped from PCs and the internet became readily available on mobile devices. In your experience, do you think South Africa and Africa is ready for that digital transformation? Yes, it's, it is ready. Um, I mean, for instance, the projection now is that there'll be, um, there'll be 20 billion uh, uh, handsets or devices on people by the year 2020. So I have, I have to check if that's, that, that, that prediction is, is, is still accurate. Television has moved away from analog to digital. So there's a, a migration, even though South Africa is a bit late by five years. Okay. Um, we also had a conference earlier on this year with African Diaspora Network, which is an organization uh, that I'm part of. It's, made, it's based in Silicon Valley, uh, okay. but mainly working with South African governments. We had the minister of uh, ICT from Kenya, uh, Joseph uh, um, Mucharu and, and also we had um, a minister of ICC from Rwanda and various other countries. Mm. And the first, uh, the mandate right now is really to move towards digitizing Africa. And that's at the core of what we're doing as energy efficiency. What we're trying to do is to build a smart village. So you know that you have like smart cities, right? China is big on that with Huawei, with 5G, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So what we're trying to do is basically create smart villages. So we can't be working in villages and so we're doing a small part, but there are, there's a bigger scheme because 
of things to do because, for instance, in Africa, there's 1.3 billion people in Africa and 600 million people don't have access to electricity and also uh, half, half, half a billion people uh, are unconnected to the internet. So I think that's just, those are some of the problems that can fast track whether you believe it's called the third or the fourth industrial revolution is irrelevant as long as there's basically a, a, a transition to um, help people get access to information. Mm. And I think that's so key, especially in this uh, day and age. And, and, uh, and all I hope is for the Africa to be able to, you know, be able to uh, cope and be able to move in, in those same, like just as much as the other, the other uh, nations have moved on, all I, I, we could hope that uh, Africa can move just as fast or just in the same direction as everywhere else so we can all, you know, have a good balance. So I'm, I'm excited to see how things go on with that. Now, I just wanted to ask you um, just about, the Hope Begins With You Awards that um, were issued for the Marion Ridge community members in Durban. Um, tell me more about that, um, uh, the Marion Ridge community, um, about how you were able to implement um, the solar panel lighting. So, yeah, so the Mar- Marion Ridge is one of the communities in Durban, right? They classify it as a coloured community, 97% coloured people. And um, I'm totally, like, you know, I'm Zulu, so... <laughs> You know, uh, it's, it's, you know, I think it's just the thing, you know, the, the, the people divide people by, you know, it's, it was a strategy by the apartheid government, but these are basically people that live here and uh, they have a lot of drug problems in the community. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. So it's like kind of like almost like the drug capital of the city of mm-hmm. Durban, basically. They, it's a population of about 4,900 people. So it's about just under 5,000 people. Um, yeah. So it's divided into two, two communities. So I went in there and uh, we, we, my vision and my goal is to, because it's a small enough community to kind of re- uh, sort of iterate and, and, and just, just work out a model that actually works. So that's one of the reasons why I chose that community. We are working in other communities as well. So we, we donated uh, solar powered lights to a number of places there. Um, for example, uh, some, of, some of them, we don- I donated them and designed and donated them into the school, uh, the secondary school, the primary school, uh, you know, um, private private properties basically, but they illuminating public spaces and also uh, public parks where there was actually like some a lot of these places. There were like rapes, like at the school, for instance. There were like rapes taking place, murders outside the schools and things like that. Mm. And it was really dark. So now this it's like I actually had a, a phone call from the principal at the school, the high school, that uh, just thanking me and doing an interview with SABC in I think in about a week or so where the, the, the fact that now people are able to study at night and the kids will go to school at night and, what, and whatnot, their mm. school has jumped from 50% pass rate to 100% this year, first time in the history of the school. And it's a poor community and it's mm. underfunded and there's not enough teachers. Mm. So, you know, technology can do a lot to change communities. There are also seven, uh, 300 uh, shacks in that community where now we are deploying our solar part technology, which allows people to actually have access to green uh, energy instead of using, so they don't have actually a, a, a formal electrical grid. So they're illegally connecting electricity into their sheds, to their houses. In that particular community, it started in 2017 that that, that place broke out where they, they, developed, they started that neighborhood. And there's already been 12 deaths in that community, 12 deaths. So we interviewed one person, for instance, where the, the, the child touched the house wire and was shocked and died, electrocuted. She touched the fridge, uh, which had, uh, was made of uh, steel and was shocked and her husband actually died. So what our technology has is a local South African IP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's totally uh, clean. It, you can touch it, it doesn't shock you. It's a DC powered system. 
that uh, you easily to connect. And what we are able to do with that system is also create mini grids. So those communities can have actually mini grid of their own. So they're actually off the normal AC grid of the government. And they can also, what's the way we put a cable from house to house and the meter so that the people can actually, what they can do is they can actually give each other power. So let's say you've got power and your neighbor doesn't, you can actually sell your neighbor power and they can electricity. So you're gonna create in these mini grids where people have access to energy. So this is 100% clean energy, harnessing the sun and wind to generate power for their little houses, for their shacks. You know, it's like these really small, I don't know if you guys have seen shacks in Australia or in Canada, but really small. So kind of like the favelas in Brazil. So I've been to Brazil, I've seen the favelas, very similar. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of those people, we're giving them independence, we're giving them access to renewable energy, and at the same time, empowering them, they can create. So we're creating um, uh, uh, like social entrepreneurship programs where they can actually sell and make money on their own. And then last but not least, in my lights, in our lights, we distribute the Wi-Fi through the lights, right? And then the people are able to connect to the internet through the lights. So we, when you drive into the community, it's a complete Wi-Fi hotspot zone. You are on the platform. It comes with an app called Google. And then uh, this is a cherry on top. Okay. So a lot of people don't have access to data, right? And it's expensive. So yeah. we've actually partnered with a company, which actually now uh, we are able to give these people access to online content, the schools have educational content, the churches, all the community platforms, and, and the movies, videos, audio and visual through the OTT platform. So they watch uh, movies and, 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 and TV stations without using any data. So completely data-free and no buffering. So oh. basically, just with a simple internet connection, you're able to watch content like kind of like cable TV, but yeah. you don't, there's no data cost whatsoever. So you so basically you could you could be on the Zoom call with this with you now yeah. on that platform, but there'll be no data usage for the call. So it's totally off. Uh, it's 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 totally hundred percent free. Wow. Okay. Now South Africans would be a busy with that. <laughs> they all, so so like, we're just launching this. Very expensive. Yeah. Like the data is very expensive, and it's so it, it's so insane that we we're so reliant on it, but it's cost. It's so many people can't reach it, or it's so costly, and we have to in fact. It, it, and like it doesn't make sense at how it's not something that is so accessible yet in twenty uh, in twenty twenty one. I have to remember what the year was. Um, it, it's so insane, but. Because I know that uh, even just personally, I know that a lot of when I'm calling home uh, to a lot of my cousins, and I say, oh, don't don't send me that video. Or don't talk too long because I don't have airtime. <laughs> yeah. So so we've made we make it. So we're actually having uh, making our own SIM card. So my company, we're having our own SIM card. So you can actually you can even back data. So you can actually like use. So we're currently launching that as we, as as uh, in the next um, perhaps I think in June we're launching that. So we're launching our own SIM cards where you can actually because initially I didn't want to create a network. I wanted to partner with the networks and then they didn't want to partner with me. So a lot of these things that have happened with, with the startup of mine is that I never wanted to create these things. I just wanted to give the people access. And then the companies that have the, the power and the control and the technology were refusing. So I was forced to have to start my own. So we actually have our own cell phone tower. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. So, so that's the thing, you know, like yeah. you, you are right. I agree with you. Like, for example, one gig of data in Botswana cost you, 15 uh like equivalent to like 15 rand okay like like three dollars or so yeah. uh, one gig of data in uh in, in in south africa is almost like ten dollars you know it's expensive it's a huge wow. difference wow that's crazy that's really yeah. really really crazy okay now there's something that you said in one of your talks um that you uh 
you, you spoke about doing things that is deemed good work. How and when did you discover your calling for being an innovator and um, your calling to aid so many people? Yeah, you know, as I say to you, um, every leader is born through anger. Every single person that has ever done anything to change the world, they had to get angry first. Because um, tolerance is, you know, when people are tolerant, uh, that's, that's basically being mediocre, you know. So, um, you know, when you get angry at the system and you get angry at things, it, it, it actually drives you to make a change and make an effect and make a difference. So I was actually angry at the fact that people are dying, you know, in something that can be preventable. It's almost like saying poverty. So poverty is not a result of a lack. A poverty is a result of greed. And there's obviously all forms of greed. There are people that are burning food and throwing away food while there are people that are needing food. And they're throwing away food because they want to drive the prices up. So there, there's not really anything. Poverty doesn't really exist in itself, literally, when you think about it. There's enough supplies for everybody. However, in my case, uh, I was angry at the fact that people are dying uh, in, 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 in townships uh, due to something that can be prevented. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, so that's where basically I started. And I also believe also, uh, I have obviously maybe an altru altruistic uh, view of life, but I believe that technology should be used to help humanity. One of my mentors and one of my, one of my um, heroes, I've never said that before, but someone that I really admire was a slave um, in America uh, who changed the economy of America, a slave. His name was George Washington Carver. I had the pleasure of being visiting his artifacts in Austin, Texas. So he was born a slave and he became, uh, you know, he was working in a bush and he said, God, why did you make the world? And he said, God said to him, Ah, no, ask something smaller. And he said, why did you make me? He said, ask something smaller. And he said, well, why didn't you, why did you make the peanuts? Because he was walking in a bush and he just saw a peanut. And through the peanut, he actually invented over a hundred different uh, uh, components and IPs from the peanuts itself. So that's why you have soy food now. It's through his inventions. Uh, soy food, bio oil, uh, mm -hmm. so many different products. You can check him out. Um, they call him the father of peanut butter, but he actually didn't invent the peanut butter. But basically, he was at Tuskegee Institute, and, he, and his work, uh, which he would study plants, that's where you get the term plants for in a factory where Henry Ford wanted him to work with him. And his inventions and his work literally changed the economy of America. But he didn't take any credits or didn't even, he didn't even file a single IP in his name. Uh, he never got, did, did any credits. He just said, you know, he got, got it for free. He gave it to humanity for free. So those, uh, he's one of the people that, that really inspired when I heard his story, I was blown away. I think I was 22 at the time, I was blown away. I was like, this is something that I gotta do. Like, you know, okay, um, so that's what I, that's so, so I, I, I think of myself as somebody who's maybe not a philanthropist in a sense, but I see myself as somebody who likes to create things. Hmm. Okay, I love that you got like a, like a Nehemiah spirit about you, that you wanted to be, you know, innovative and also that you see that there was a need to help people and, um, and you know, you, you, you're doing that for, for the communities out there and uh, I'm sure you are rewarded currently, but I know that you are going to be rewarded in abundance for all that you're doing and touching so many people and even personally myself like seeing what you what you've done um is absolutely amazing and it's like uh it's like heartwarming to see um someone be able to you know 
take on so much. Um, and yeah, it, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm all the way out here in Canada and seeing what you're doing for the communities out there in South Africa is amazing. And I know it's, uh, it's oh, and I mean, clearly like you, you know, you went out to Europe um, to have talks. So, you know, you're going to be touching the, the whole world. And I'm so excited to see how that all um uh, how all that unfolds. Now, I've personally felt in previous jobs um, a sense of not belonging or just doing a job just for the reason of having one. And I saw an interview that you did where you said your motto is, I don't do a job just for money. I go to a job for learning. What can you say to young entrepreneurs and people who are feeling unenthusiastic in their current roles, the importance of learning in each opportunity that they have and what steps can they take? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. <laughs> yeah, and I love actually helping entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, so basically, um, it's your gift that makes room for you in the world and takes you to great people. It's not your education. It's not your talent. It's your gift. So everybody has a gift. Everybody's born with a gift to solve complex problem in, problems in this world every single person. So there's no reason for anybody to be, um, to have any lack, you know? So poverty is not a result of not having money. Poverty is the result of not having a vision. So I think what people need and what young people need is a vision for their lives. Mm -hmm. What gift, so the things that I'm doing now didn't start today. There's no microwave miracles that happen in life. You need to plan things. So you come in this world empty with, your head is empty, you gotta fill it with information. So I have a 10 page plan of my life. Everything that I've got to do, it's all written in 10 pages and I've had to refine it. I, and I had that when I was 22, I'm now 38. Okay. <laughs> so you, if, you, if you don't write something down, it's never, never gonna happen. I don't care what you think, what you believe, I've tested this, not just me, don't take my word for it. Take the best people in the world. Young person, whoever you are, you're sitting at home, you're sitting watching TV, you've got this passion. I remember there was a time when I was thinking, I gotta have a think tank, I gotta create these things, I gotta have this technology. But I knew that I wanted to do something big because remember, I failed high school, I failed my trick. Mm -hmm. So I was gonna become a truck driver. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I just had this, this thing where it happened where I just realized what I was gonna do, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so I would say, firstly, discover, look, introspect. Uh, your, your world is in you. Everything that you've got to do in this world is inside of you. Your, 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 the solutions to your problems are not outside of you. They're not external, they're internal. So I would say to a young person, look within. What do you love doing? That comes effortlessly. What do you love doing that you can do without even money? Once you figure out what that is, that's your gift. And now once you know what that is, focus on doing one thing. Don't do many things. Don't be a jack of all trades and a master of nothing. Figure out one thing first. Focus on that. Be known for one thing. Once you're known for one thing, then you can branch off to other things like Oprah. But what do we know Oprah for? We know her for talking. What do we know uh, uh, um, Steve Jobs for? We know him for Apple. He didn't even make the Apple computer. It was Steve Wozniak. What do we know Bill Gates for? We know him for Microsoft. What do we know uh, Mark Zuckerberg for? He even said himself, he said, I couldn't let go of Facebook because I knew I couldn't have had a better idea than this. I'm never going to have a better idea than Facebook. So you got to know that you gotta, you're only going to be known in this world for one thing and then focus on that and then spend the rest of your life working to develop yourself, to develop that thing, whatever it is that you feel is your gift. Now, in terms of looking for a job, don't go to jobs for money. Don't go to school for money. You don't even need an education. It's nonsense. It's rubbish. It's a waste of money and time. 
Go read the books that can help you to get to be best at what you already are and what gift you have. So mm. when you go for jobs and things like that, don't go and work for a company just for money. Go and find somebody who can mentor you to become better at your gift. That's what I say to young people. Go for learning and relationships. So jobs are training grounds for relationships and for knowledge transfer to get information because you're going to need information. So for me, I had to go to law school. I failed high school. I dropped out of school. I ended up going to law school because I realized that every fourth, when I looked at the Fortune 500 companies, all of those companies, all the CEOs all have law degrees. So I need to get a law degree. So like, not, not so like I'm a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but so I understand how things work, how governments work. Because my life's purpose and my life vision is to, is to improve the infrastructure and the governance of Africa. So that's what I'm passionate about. My company is just a catalyst of improving infrastructure and governance for Africa. So figure out what your goal is, write the plan down, and then the rest will happen. I read a book by Paulo Coelho, a Brazilian author in The Alchemist. He said, I didn't know this was even true. I thought everything was against me. He said, when you run after your gifts and your talents and the passions of your heart, the universe conspires in your favor. When you figure out what you're called to do, what your purpose is, when you start running after that, all hell's going to break loose. But I tell you what, you'll have the greatest satisfaction because now where I am right now, I'm, an, I'm unemployable. You can't employ me. So the whole purpose in life is not to be employed, but to be deployed. So deploy yourself in your gift. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Amazing. And if that doesn't touch anyone, then I have no idea. Then they, they get a heart of stone because that is exactly the energy and exactly what people need to hear in a 2020, between the, these years that we're seeing now. Uh, definitely, if, if you didn't receive that, then I, I have no idea because a lot of the people that, you know, a lot of, not, a lot of people out of work, um, and not only in South Africa, uh, there's a lot of people out of work here, even in North America. And uh, I, I know in some of the cities in Australia also, you know, suffering with unemployment um, and people exactly that people now have a chance to revisit their passions and see whether they can now implement that into a living for their new life in this new world. And I, and I actually love that whole reset about it, even though it's been traumatic for a lot of people, but I love that, that people are now able to go and move on to doing new, greater, beautiful things in what they love doing. And I mean, I know for me that that touches me personally because that's exactly what I, I, I'm going through at the moment. So, hey, thank, uh, thank you so much. I honestly, I thank you so much for being here on, um, on Know the Culture and also on CJLO. Man, uh, I, it's, it's appreciated. And hey, let people know how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, thank you so much. I just want to say that's just uh, that the, the word for crisis and recession in Chinese is opportunity. So this is a brilliant time for people to discover themselves. So when people see, when followers see crisis, leaders see opportunity. So yes, you can follow us on, um, I, I, my name is Kai Madlala. Uh, so um, it's at uh, K-A-I-M-A-D-L-A-L-A. That's on uh, Instagram. And uh, on Twitter, it's, uh, it's also like Kai Madlala. Yeah, it, I think I changed it from Energy 2030 uh, recently uh, because I'm just focusing on, yeah, but basically you can find us there. And then our website is eetech.co, eetech.co. Yeah, that's where you can find us. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to connect or whatever, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. 
And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity to chat to you guys. I've never had the opportunity of going to Canada. I, I, I remember I was approached by a Canadian accelerator some time ago, but it, I, did, I declined to join them. But but I really, really, I would love to join you uh, to visit Canada. And I've heard, I've, 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 I've had some friends over the years, you know, from that part of the world. And uh, yeah, and, uh, I, 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 what, I don't know what season you're on, but it's pretty cold out there. <laughs> It's cold here, so just make sure you let us know what time you're coming because uh, it's yeah, cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really really cold there. But I'd love to visit your country. I think it's a beautiful place, and uh, thank you for this platform. You know what you're doing and uh, inspiring people, and I'm just glad to be here, and I'm honored and uh, humbled. And thank you so much, man. Oh my God, thank you so much, Kai. And you can visit Kai at Kai Medlala on Instagram, and also check him out on EE Tech. Dot co. Thank you so much, man. Cool. Thank you so much. Cheers. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Mixcloud, Anchor, and YouTube.